Stay tuned for Love Talk with Evelyn Davison with her special guests, Dr. Steve Wasburn and Carol Everett. Love talking today about marriage, life, and love. Thank you, Gabby. We are in studio today, and it's going to be an exciting day as we have some wonderful guests today. Uh, it's uh, the heat's on, but also love's on, um, Gavin, and we're going to be talking about that today. We're going to talk about love, life, and marriage. And this is a really important time in Texas and America because of the mm, campaigns are heating up, uh, Gavin, and people are beginning to pay attention to some of those issues that so dear to my heart and to your heart. Our guests today are Dr. Steve Washburn. He is the pastor of First Baptist Church in Fleurville. And Ms. Carol Everett, who is the author of Blood Money. And we were talking to them today about the things that are so important to us. And so, uh, welcome, Carol, Dr. Steve. Glad, Glad to, to have here. you here. Thank you. Glad to be here. We're going to play a little game to start with today. Okay. Carol, I want you to introduce Dr. Steve. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you. Can you do that? Yes, I can. I know you can. He is our pastor. He's our pastor. And um, he's... He has a business background, first of all. He was in business for seven years before God called him to the ministry. Then he went to Southwestern Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, where he earned both a master's and a doctor's of ministry. Master's of something and doctor of ministry. Mm-hmm. Master of mischief. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right that one down. But, and he pastors our church. And the reason I chose to go to First Baptist Pflugerville was because he believes in the inerrant word of God. And he preaches it from the pulpit. He stands for issues and um, has stood for tough issues, and I appreciate that. And uh, I believe God has his hand on him and has a big purpose for him, and I believe that he's about to launch into a different area of ministry because God's given him a platform on this marriage issue. Well, uh, I agree with you totally. And uh, if you ask Van Davison about Steve Washburn, he'll say he's best preacher, best pastor, and best friend I ever had. <laughs> Dr. Steve, we're so glad to have you with us. Thank you. Glad to be here. Okay, so tell much. us what you know about Carol. Oh, Lord. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> you were so nice, so I'll be nice in return. Carol Everett is the founder and CEO of the Heidi Group, uh, which is one of the most influential uh, pro-life organizations in Texas, and I guess in uh, in uh, the United States, uh, Carol is uh, she has a great insight into this subject because she came out of the abortion industry herself, and uh, because of that background and because of her great commitment to the Lord, she's able to be so very effective for the Lord. She's out of town a great deal, representing uh, the Lord in some uh, in some areas where they need help. Uh, one. One uh, week she'd been away for a couple weeks, and I asked her where she'd been, and she had been speaking in the Canadian Parliament. So that just goes to show you her influence. On one occasion, there were a number of us gathered at the state capitol to uh, appeal to legislators to support a pro-family piece of legislation, and I was uh, I was teamed up with Carol and with Dave Welch, uh, who yes, he's the founder and CEO of the uh, the United States. Uh, Pastors Council, and as we were going around introducing ourselves in these uh, in these different offices and asking for an opportunity to speak to these legislators, uh, Dave's a pretty heavy hitter, and mm-hmm. I would have expected many more people to be uh, familiar with who he was. But on multiple occasions, as we walked in and introduced ourselves, the receptionists or the administrators would always say, "You, you are Carol Everett," and they'd come out from behind their desk 
and hug her like the teenagers being introduced to a rock star. Really? Yeah, and Dave and I just felt like um, little children following along <laughs> behind her. So we're very proud to know and to serve with Carol Everett. Well, we are, and I am so thrilled to have both of you here today because this is going to be a moment in time that people are going to stop and take a new look at where we are, not only in Texas, mm-hmm. but across this nation. Um Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote something that I want to start it with today. He says, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Mm. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. You know, apart from being what you all are, Dr. Steve and you, Carol, you all um, both wrote a chapter in our new book, Praising, Praying and Praising Cross Texas. And... Um, we uh, I, I, we have seen that book enter into some places that have absolutely astounded us. In fact, this uh, just recently uh, we had um, a luncheon at the T- Texas State Capitol of staff uh, of the different senators and representatives, and and um, at that time we. One of the things that we talked about was how important it was to pray. And one of the first things you have to do if you're going to pray and you're going to have an impact is you've got to connect. And that's what your chapter is about, Dr. Steve. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, you know, and giving all credit that is due to prayer. And I think I think as a, as a group of Christ followers in Texas, I know we're doing the very best we can. Uh, from many different directions, many different uh, organizations. You and I have been uh, involved, many of those ourselves, here in Texas. We're doing, I think, uh, a a good job. But uh, in addition to prayer, there needs to be this uh, connection between the Christian community and those who claim to follow Christ and the issues and, and getting down to where the rubber meets the road. And connecting with these issues, connecting with the people who are, are forging these issues. And certainly Carol knows a great deal about that. She has been involved in the writing of some of those uh, policies uh, that have been acted now into law. And she's very, very uh, involved in the in the connection process. So you're exactly right. Yeah, connection is – there are a lot of ways we connect today. But one of them is to report for duty. Mm-hmm. Your chapter in, in the book is on uh, power for life. What does that mean, Carol? Well, where does our power come from for life? There's only one power. Hmm. And, of course, it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, through Jesus, of course, we have salvation. And through that, if we give ourselves to him completely and we take that seriously, then we have to connect with that power. And we should connect with it, I believe, on a daily basis because I'm the first one to say I get off if I don't. And so connecting with that power, not just for life physically, but life eternally. Mm-hmm. We have a big job to do, but he wants us to do it here on earth. Mm. So share it with others. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, uh, people don't understand in general across this nation now the type of war that's going on between life and death and life and marriage and love and marriage. And those are the things we're going to talk about today. Um, Jesus did say that his house was going to be called the house of prayer. But one of the things that he did, one of the last things he said to the disciples, the first ones he trained to go out and connect, was to get up, get out, and go tell. That's the Great Commission. 
And we um, have, to some extent, avoided doing that in the areas we're going to talk about today. But we're going to dig them deep today. And so the first, we're going to talk about marriage. Dr. Steve, we're going to talk about life. What had, hmm, had he valued some life he is in America today? And so let's start. One of the things that we need to do is to stand up for any uh, moral with courage and biblical truth uh, in all of these areas. So let's start with marriage, Dr. Steve. Um, the Supreme Court justice decision was terrible. It was. It was. How terrible was it? Well, it, it was uh, two of the Supreme Court justices came to that decision with their minds already made up because uh, they had they had themselves already performed weddings, uh, gay weddings. So their minds was already made up. They were not coming into that decision process with objective minds at all. So uh, and they, sh- they should have eliminated themselves from that discussion and from the decision. Uh, it's also uh, concerning that. You know, nine people who have not been elected by the public can wield so much power. Uh, they're almost like they are royalty. They cannot be voted out of office. They serve for a lifetime. They're not accountable to anybody. So the uh, the process itself is flawed, and these two individuals who were the swing votes uh, on uh, in that decision should not have been involved in that decision at all. So, uh, yeah, SCOTUS, uh, uh, Supreme Court of the United States, uh, in this decision, was just way off base, way off base. What? How detrimental is that to not just marriage, but our religious freedom across this nation? And what do you see we as Christians have got to do? Well, that's a big subject. I know. That's a very big subject. And you've subject. got plenty of time, so I'm not going to interrupt. <laughs> I didn't come to preach, though. <laughs> well, you, you've got my permission. <laughs> uh, it's huge. It is, it's huge at, at many different levels. Uh, you know, the Lord has established three institutions. Uh, the first one was the family. The second one was government. And the third is the church. So in the ruling they've made, they have attacked and attempted to dismantle here in the United States the Lord's first institution, established institution. Uh, in the doing of that, the second institution, government, is built upon the first institution. So as the, sex, as the first institution is dismantled, which is the uh, intent now in our nation, it's going to directly affect the second institution. And now what's in the crosshairs of uh, politicians and government is the third institution, the, the church. So the decision has been uh, monstrumental. It's, I mean, uh, uh, monstrous. It's dismantling all the Lord's institutions. So uh, we as the church, uh, we as the leaders in the church, we, we as the followers of the Lord in the church have to wake up. Uh, we have to be uh, alert. We pray, yes, but we have to be active also. Uh, you quoted from the Lord Jesus just a while ago in, uh, in, in his comment that the church is to be a place of prayer. Well, that's what he said just as he walked into the temple with a whip in his hand. So it was not a meek and mild and gentle uh, Lord Jesus who walked in there declaring the temple to be a house of prayer. It was an angry Lord Jesus. It was a powerful Lord Jesus. It was an active Lord Jesus. It was, it was a Jesus who walked into the temple with, uh, with such fury that he was able to separate marketeers from their money. And he did this twice, by the way. He did it first when he first came into the ministry. The second time he went into the temple was during Passion Week, his last week on earth. 
He went in the second time, not carrying a whip, but they were so they they were so uh, afraid of him from his first entry into the temple that they jumped up and ran. So for us to declare that church to be a pla- or the building to be a place of prayer is exactly right. But there's also this element of standing up and saying, "No, this will not happen." So we who serve the Lord uh, need to be active, involved, and and physically doing something. You've pointed out that doing nothing is sinful. It absolutely is. It is sinful to do nothing. So it's time for uh, the Lord's church, not congregations, but the Lord's church, to wake up and do something. And by the way, we don't live uh, in a monarchy the way the early church did. They lived in a monarchy when Jesus gave the command to be salt and light. We live in a Christ-based constitutional republic where we can do things, and he expects us to do things. To those to whom much is given, much is to be required. He has, he has put us in a Christ-based constitutional republic where we, as his church, have the power to do things, to vote, uh, to, to affect our leaders in the voting booth, to affect our leaders, as Carol has done, in our state capitals and in our national capitals. So, so much is expected of us, and we are doing nothing. We're doing nothing. We're asleep at the, at the switch. You know, it is exciting to think that the Lord still has a plan. And that plan is for marriage. Mm-hmm. What is God's plan for marriage? God's plan for marriage is one man and one woman. Um, I've heard so many arguments to the contrary, and none of them hold water. Uh that basic formula for marriage is given to us four times. It's in the second chapter of Genesis. It's in the book of Matthew. It's in the book of Mark. And it's in the fifth chapter of Ephesians. It's God's basic formula for marriage. God created the man and woman for this cause. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The arguments against that have included uh, the idea that Jesus has never said anything about uh, homosexuality and, uh, and eliminating homosexuality in the Bible. If we apply the rule of positive exclusion, which says, by making one positive statement, we eliminate all of the possibilities. For example, if a parent tells the child in the morning, go in your closet and bring out your yellow shirt. I want you to wear your yellow shirt. If the child comes out wearing the red shirt, they have disobeyed their parent. The parent doesn't have to say, don't wear your red, don't wear your blue, don't wear mm-hmm. your green, don't wear your stripes, don't wear your plaid. All the parent has to do is, is say what they are to wear, and they eliminate all of the possibilities. So with Jesus, Jesus is the one who said, God made them male and female. For this cause, man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. By that one positive statement, he eliminated all the possibilities, which includes, which includes homosexuality. And on and on and on. Uh, the arguments against God's plan just do not, just do not stand. We need to take our break. When we come back, I want to ask you um, to give us a portrait of what really moral and legal battles in Texas uh, are going on right now. What is it that we see that's not God's plan? Right after this, stay with us for laptop. 
Ellis and Salazar Garage and Body Shop. At Ellis and Salazar, customer satisfaction is our main concern. For a tune-up or major body work, Central Texans have trusted Ellis and Salazar for over 55 years. Ellis and Salazar. Hail damage specialists, smoothing out life's dents and bumps. Big or small for you and your car. Now at three locations, south at 4501 South Congress, north at 8808 Research Boulevard, and new northwest location at 8425 Anderson Mill Road. Road. Call 444-5555. That's 444-5555. Ellis and Salazar. Fixing your auto problems and needs with a happy face and the best professional touch. From inspiration to insurance and protection, all for serving the Lord Jesus. We all need insurance. Why not work with an agent that understands the biblical principle of protection and risk management to ensure your family's future? Ray and Justin Garner are Christian business professionals who will put a Christian perspective on your insurance and inspiration needs. For auto, home, life, business, health, boat, motorcycle, RV, and dental, and church protection needs, Ray, Justin, and Luana can be reached at 626-4880 or 986-4944 for church protection, personal protection, and business protection. Ray and Justin are independent Texas businessmen that have dedicated their lives and business to the advancement of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ through Austin Triad Ministries. Call Ray Garner Insurance Agency and ask for Ray at 626-4880 or Justin at 986-4944. Tim Smith Landscaping. Wow, these guys know what they're doing. Tim Smith has been taking care of landscaping since he was knee-high to a yucca. And they can come to your house and turn a yucky-looking yard into a show place. Take a drab, boring commercial or residential piece of property and turn it into a place that you'll be proud to call home or proud to call your business. There's simply no better choice for landscaping than Tim Smith. 512-848-0659 or 512-258-0093 or www.timsmithlandscaping.com Stay tuned for Love Talk with Evelyn Davison with her special guests Dr. Steve Wasburn and Carol Everett Love Talking today about marriage, life, and love Thank you, Gavin uh, Carol, you know, we're talking today with our pastor Yes And we're talking about love Yes And marriage And uh, I know that there, there are a lot of things that are connected with that and um, you um, you are so on the front line uh, in all of this. Talk to us about uh, the portrait that you see today in America in regard to the legal battles that um, are going on. What is the extent of this legally as you see it at the Capitol? You don't ask the easy questions, do you? <laughs> no. Um Legally, obviously, we have little control, but as Christians, we must stand up, and that's what's got to happen for the legal forces to change. And our responsibility, as Dr. Steve's already said, is for us to get involved. We've got to vote. We've got to be involved in God's institution of the government. And until we do that, there will be no changes. And if we want a revival, if we want to save this country, it's time for us to stand up. But I'd rather ask the pastor about this. Yeah. What is the legal battle that's going on? I know you mentioned Dave Welch. He's a good friend. He wrote a chapter in our book. Yes. Uh, there, There is a war going on out there, but we've got people dressed for battle. You know, our country is pretty evenly divided between two worldviews. There's the secular humanistic worldview, 
and there is the Christian biblical worldview. And we see that in almost every area of discussion, almost every area of debate, the two come into conflict. So that that bleeds itself over into the church. And and when I speak of the church, I'm speaking of the kingdom church. So the prob- one of the problems is the humanistic um, secular worldview begins to influence those in the church. And they become swayed by it. it its influence is everywhere. It's, it starts in the schools, makes its way into the universities. It's the dominant, uh, it's the dominant worldview in uh, the media. And so we, you know, our children coming up through school and going out into the world and becoming leaders themselves, that's the primary influence. And so initially they begin to adopt that. I say initially, sometimes it carries them on into their adult life. The other, of course, our worldview is the Christian biblical worldview. And if you look at the way votes go uh, in, in the nation, they're almost evenly divided. But one of the things that those of us in the Christian biblical worldview need to recognize is that the humanistic secular camp uh, uses the same uh, vocabulary as us, but they have a completely different dictionary. Mm-hmm. They take they mm-hmm. take the same words and they redefine them in their own way. And what we do is we allow ourselves to get caught up in conversations involving that redefinition. And the one that comes to mind is love. There, you know, we all use the word love, but we're allowing them to redefine the word love uh, in very casual ways. We'll hear, we'll hear people in the media say, well, God is love. And uh, the New Testament is, is a loving document. It teaches love. And that's certainly true as long as we embrace God's definition of love. We can't allow them to continue defining love. Love does not mean total acceptance. It does not mean absolute tolerance. Uh, Paul says in Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love for us in, in that Christ died on the cross. Christ, uh, Christ, God demonstrated his love for us in that this, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died on the cross. So as you look at the cross, we can tell a great deal about God's love. That's how much God hates sin. God hates sin so much that he took his son, sent him to earth, and executed him, fearfully executed him on the cross. So as we talk about love, we have to look at the cross and see, wow, God really hates sin. So we begin in our love discussion by acknowledging there is such a thing as sin. It's awful. And God hates it. So then it leads us into this conversation that the, sec- that the secular humanistic worldview rejects, that God loves the sinner while hating the sin. And they don't like to talk about that. So we have to kind of reclaim biblical definitions of words that are being discussed out in the secular, humanistic, liberal camp. And we're afraid of that. I'll, I'll tell you this. I know that when... When the secular uh, humanistic uh, camp calls those of us who are Christ followers hate mongers, and they say that our speech is hate speech, what I've noticed is it's almost like kryptonite to Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, it just melts us. We just lose our speech. We lose our position. 
you know, our, our response is, oh, well, we don't want to be hate mongers. We want to, we want to love, but then we begin embracing their definition of love. So it's, it's a big, it's a big, big issue and it, 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 it enters into our morality and then bleeds its way over into legal battles. And, you know, to me, education, we have to educate the church, Christ's church. Uh, we have to demonstrate what that means as, as followers. Uh, Carol certainly takes a great, a great stand. You take a great stand. I'm so, I'm so proud to have both of you in our church because uh, the two of you demonstrate before our congregation what that love uh, looks like. And so we have to begin redefining uh, the language. Dr. Steve, how detrimental is this uh, to pastors who are in pulpits today uh, in their own lives personally, in the lives of a congregation, when they don't understand what you've just talked about? What is that causing in our society today? Well, <clears throat> pastors are to be leaders. Uh, we're not followers. We're to lead the way God tells us to. Uh, we are to lead as shepherds. Cowboys get behind their herd and drive them and push them where they want to go, and I'm afraid that's where that's where most pastors um, feel like the term leadership takes them. They don't want to go there. We're not to be cowboys. We're to be shepherds. We're to be out in front of our congregation. We're to be leading our congregation. We're to be demonstrating for them uh, what the the life is for those who follow Christ. But a part of that leadership, you know, we're not only we're not only to preach sermons and extend to them leadership that is helpful to them. We need to help them with their marriages, help them with child raising, help them with this, help them with that. Obviously, that's a big part of what we do. But we're also to demonstrate before them what it means to be salt and light. We are to be salt. We are to, you know, the purpose of salt is to preserve decaying meat. So, like the two of you, we are to be salt. Uh, we're to we're to preserve and to keep from decaying uh, morality, and so you know the best way to do that is is talk about it from the pulpit, demonstrate it. But what I've noticed is most most pastors most pastors are real nervous about it. I know they that. are very nervous. They they have they have drank the Kool Aid of separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. That is a term made up by the Supreme Court, 1947. And introduced into our culture that has now been propagated and propagated. It began in 1962 when they when they uh, stopped, uh, you know, prayer in school, mm-hmm. and it's been that has just been uh, that's been a snowball that's come down the hill now, and uh, and most pastors have have bought into that. We're going to take our break uh, and hear from some of those people that believe like we're talking about today, great, and support this ministry and this station. We come back. Um, I want us to talk about uh, how this affects life in our nation. And, Carol, especially with the ministry that you have, um, people across America today, uh, in general, take life uh, very uh, differently. There are those that think that we control our lives and we can make our own choices, and then there go people like you and Dr. Steve that say that is, that's not God's way. So let's take our break. Uh, Gavin, when we come back, we're going to talk about what is the difference in our world today. If you take life and you choose death, 
instead of what Steve has talked about, loving others, loving yourself, and loving the Lord Jesus right after this. Stay with us. Day after day, we are constantly hearing about how bad everything is. Isn't it about time to hear about what's right and good? Isn't it time for some good news? If your answers are yes, then you need the Good News Journal. The Good News Journal is published by KTXW's own Evelyn Davidson and is packed with news and information about the good things that are happening. With a healthy dose of hope, happiness, and humor, the Good News Journal is distributed free throughout Central Texas at hundreds of locations, including Walmart, Popeye Chicken, Central Market, Bob Bullock Museum, libraries, churches, and other locations. And did we say the Good News Journal is free? For advertising information or to have an article published, call Good News Journal at 249-6535. The Good News Journal is an inspirational, patriotic journal published bi-monthly to bring you God's good news. The Good News Journal, 249-6535, or read it online at thegoodnewsjournal.net. Tim Smith Landscaping. Wow, these guys know what they're doing. Tim Smith has been taking care of landscaping since he was knee-high to a yucca. And they can come to your house and turn a yucky-looking yard into a showplace. Take a drab, boring commercial or residential piece of property and turn it into a place that you'll be proud to call home or proud to call your business. There's simply no better choice for landscaping than Tim Smith. 512-848-0659 or 512-258-0093 or www.timsmithlandscaping.com. George Christensen and his family at Casa Mechanical Services are longtime friends and sponsors for Love Talk, Love Walk. These CASA friends are professionals with more than 40 years' experience in providing heating, air conditioning, plumbing, and electrical services in the Austin area. If your heating isn't heating, your cooling isn't cooling, or your drains aren't draining, well, then you need to call our friends at CASA at 334-7300. They provide sales and service on all major brands from professionals you can trust. So big jobs or little jobs, it doesn't matter. Call CASA at 334-7300. Stay tuned for Love Talk with Evelyn Davison with her special guests, Dr. Steve Wasburn and Carol Everett. Love talking today about marriage, life, and love. Welcome back to Love Talk. We are in studio today talking with two of the most powerful people, people of prayer, people of of purpose, people of passion, people of vision that I know in the state of Texas. And that is Dr. Steve Washburn and Carol Everett. Carol Everett is the executive director for a Heidi group, and she deals with life and death issues every day. And um, we, we, uh, in, in our book, Carol, you wrote the chapter on uh, there is power for life. And Jesus did say, I have come that you might have life, and it's not his will that any should perish. What is the picture that you're seeing as you travel this nation and you're gone all the time <laughs> uh, in regard to life and death and the millions and millions of unborn children and, and the jeopardy that they that women are put into in regard to this thing called death that they call life? Today, women are sold abortions and they're sold abortions thinking they'll have a better life. I can say it's a selfish decision. I can say that I've had one. And uh, thank you, Jesus, that I've been forgiven. But women choose abortion for their own lives. And then they find death. They find death not just for themselves, for their baby, but for themselves. 
and with all this baby body part sale coming out, and it's not new. It's been happening for years. We are seeing women come to us in remorse we've never seen some more before. So very deep, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Crying, thinking about suicide, all sorts of things. So this death has come out in a different way now. But the real life, of course, is eternal life. Amen. And that's what our pregnancy centers offer. Amen. Our pregnancy centers are truly the front lines of this work. And churches like, led by pastors like ours, <laughs> by Dr. Steve, who support a pregnancy center in Flickerville. And they're there to say, yes, you can. And there is hope. And Jesus died for your sins. And you can be forgiven. Amen. And we can help you walk through Amen. it. And so I believe we're going to see the same thing we saw with HB2, abortion reduced by 50% in Texas. I think that God is working a miracle with his Planned Parenthood body, baby body parts sale expose to reduce abortion in the nation. Great. And um, I think we've got an opportunity, and it's pastors like ours, Dr. Steve, who's going to lead, who's leading on the marriage issue, who's led on the abortion issue, who's standing in the forefront. And you're right. They're the leaders. You're the moral leaders of this nation. Not the government. You're the moral mm-hmm. leaders of this nation. And that's what it's going to take for flocks to follow our leaders and stand up and say enough. But are we really praying for revival? Are we really looking for eternal life for everybody? Or we do we have our heads in the sand too? So it's our time to decide where we stand. Dr. Steve, how do you see it across this nation? You Working with pastors, you know, that's where my heart is every day. Every day on Monday, all day long, I pray for pastors because I... I've served as pastor's secretary assistant twice in my life when Van was in the Navy, and and I know the inside. I know what what life is for you. What what is it that just troubles your heart about all of this, especially selling the body parts? Let's talk about that. Well, you understand uh, most <clears throat> most pastors have uh, advanced education. Most of us have uh, have been to the seminary. Uh, you know, we have we have master's degrees. Some of us have doctor's degrees. This is never addressed. This is not. <laughs> none of this is part of our you training. You taught anything about this? No, no. Okay. None of this is part of the seminary education. So, so when we when we come out of the seminary and uh, you know we have training for sermon preparation, uh, reading Greek, reading Hebrew. Uh, leadership training, you know, so on and so forth. We have focus courses on various books of the Bible, New Testament and Old Testament. And it's all wonderful training, but this is just outside of our training. This is this is brand new to, to men uh, who are pastors, and it doesn't matter whether they have much training or little training. It doesn't matter whether they have years of experience or fresh in the work. Uh, none are are formally prepared to face these kinds of issues. And, and the result of that is most peri- pastors are on very wobbly legs. They just don't quite know what they should do. Uh, and it, it's, a, it's a time of, of, uh, of much concern for most pastors. Um, I've heard phrases like, I want to be known for what we're for yes. rather than what we're against. Mm-hmm. And I've heard I've heard comments like, uh, you know, if, if a person uh, comes into our fellowship and they embrace this lifestyle, they they embrace a pro-abortion or a pro-gay agenda. I don't I don't want them to get the idea we don't love them. That that sort of thing. 
So that's where I think many pastors are, and they're just not comfortable in taking a stand for life and and speaking against abortion from the pulpit. What is the answer for that? I, you know, I don't know. I, I know that uh, I'm as vocal as I can be. I'm a, I'm a leader in some uh, pastor groups uh, where I speak uh, in favor of this and trying to move pastors in this direction. But it just remains, I'm in the minority. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in the minority. I know when those of us who are, who are uh, pro-family, pro-life, when pastors get together, as we've done on a state level, you know, the uh, uh, lieutenant governor had a lunch at the Capitol, and those, those of us who were there were just so, so committed to this. Uh, and that was encouraging. You know, I heard, I heard some men stand make just uh, very courageous comments in, in these areas. But I recognize we're the minority. Absolutely. We, we are the minority. It's too easy to do nothing. It's too easy to, to preach seeker-sensitive messages. It's too easy not to challenge people. It's too easy to avoid those subjects. And so that's the route most pastors, I'm afraid, take. And uh, I don't know the answer to it except programs like this, venues like this, I have concern that I'm seen as being too strong. Mm-hmm. Well, I am too, and I know Carol is. We don't think so. But <laughs> you know, you. the thing is, uh, sin is sin. Yes. 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 And we can't change that. Yeah. Let, let me just say this. This is a conviction of mine. Okay. Too. I'm coming to the end of my own book, as, as both, both of you know. So here are some doctrines that I think have been abused. One is the absolute holiness of God. The unapproachable holiness of God has been has been abused. We don't we don't preach that anymore. We don't preach the 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 terribleness of sin enough. We're we're afraid of that subject. Mm-hmm. That's too painful for people. Mm-hmm. So the absolute holiness of God and the terrible uh, crime of sinfulness. And then we, ha- we we are abusing the doctrine of repentance. Repentance requires the admission of sin and the burning desire to abandon all sinfulness and totally leave it behind us. So if we don't preach the holiness of God, we don't preach the sinfulness of men, then there's not much need for mm-hmm. repentance. But those three doctrines have been so abused that people don't much need salvation anymore. They don't much need a Savior anymore. If God's not very holy and if sin's not too bad, then I don't have a need to repent. I can pretty much embrace any kind of a gospel that I want. And that's that's where we are today. I think I think pastors are preaching exclusively. When I say secret sensitive, I don't mean I don't want that to be a sound of a bad thing. Yeah, I understand. But if we preach ex- exclusively seeker sensitive sermons, then our congregations are not being exposed to these doctrines of holiness and sinfulness and repentance that they have to have in order to navigate through uh, a fallen world like we have today. One of the things that is disturbing in this whole conversation is the devaluing of life within itself to me. Um, I, uh, and the fact that people don't see sin for what it is. Uh, Franklin Graham, uh, this last year, has been uh, very verbal 
in a lot of areas uh, trying to lead pastors to the place where that you've described, Dr. Steve. And in his prayer time, he has um, asked the Lord what God wants him to do in regard to the moral issues that are just causing people to drown across this nation. And he said the first thing God told him to do was to go to every state capital and call God's people to repentance. That's number one. Number two, the second thing he said God told him is to start in Texas. Great. And so there's going to be, and there's a, he has a new evangelism program that's called My Hope Heaven. And it's, it's directly written for churches who are in this pattern that we're talking about today that do not see sin as sin. And that, that's something that's going to be coming down the pathway across Texas, uh, in, in 2016, 2016. And, uh, we are calling people now to pray and move in that direction. But the thing that disturbs me about all of this is the death part of it that people just ignore. First of all, the physical death that, you know, of, of taking unborn children and sacrificing them on the altar of convenience or whatever. And secondly, to water down the death of Jesus Christ as the answer to the issues of life. Carol, the thing I know that has touched my heart has touched your heart, and that is this thing of selling baby parts. I want you to take a few minutes, and let's talk about that. Well, first of all, God has just revealed what's going on, and it's been going on for over 20 years that we know. Hmm. Uh, for instance, in uh, 19, 20 years ago, uh, Chad Trawick was a man who walked around the abortion clinics in Houston and prayed. And he noticed five buckets sitting at the back door of an abortion clinic. And he decided to see what was in them. And he found a baby's body over 17 weeks. And I, I can't remember exactly how far along the baby was. But when he turned it over, there were little slits in the back where the kidneys had been removed. And the picture you see of baby David, and you've seen, if you've any, seen any of the dead baby pictures, which are horrible, there's a picture of baby David's head, but nothing about his back. But... They were removing baby's body parts then, and we got price lists, and we knew it was happening, but we knew they were picking up something packed in dry ice and shipping it. For instance, we tracked one one time in Ohio all the way to the University of Wisconsin and then some to Minnesota and some other places, but we knew it was happening, but we couldn't prove it. But what did God do? He showed it in the most unbelievable way. He showed everyone in this nation who wants to see it, and many don't. Mm. I will tell you, by the third tape, I couldn't watch the third tape immediately. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. But when the next one came out and eight hours were filled, filmed in Texas, and they say, I talked with a young man. The 26-year-old young man who started this is incidentally praying for the salvation of abortionists, which I think is very interesting. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, mm-hmm. what a what a sign yeah. that his heart's in the right place. Yeah. But he had a great idea, and, of course, it was something that, just blew the top off what they were doing because this is just the third stream of revenue for Planned Parenthood. The first one is Well Woman Services. We have defunded Planned Parenthood in Texas, but the Obama administration still funds them directly, so they're still doing the Well Woman Care. They dispense low-dose birth control pills they know the girl will get pregnant on or second or defective condoms. So they're, that's their market for abortions. And then the second revenue stream is abortion. And then the third one is selling those little babies' body parts. And I don't, I'm sure you both watched the videos and uh, mm. it's just horrible to sit there and 
and um, watch them dissect a baby like it's a frog. Mm. I mean, they're treating it mm. with less sensitivity than they would a cat or a dog. Of course, we all know that. Mm. But um, the truth has come out. Now, what are we going to do about it? Okay, Each, that's our question. Yes. What are we going to do about it? We need to take a break, and, and when we come back, I'm going to ask you, Dr. Steve, what are we supposed to do about it? What can we do? What should we do? Right after this, stay with us. Day after day, we are constantly hearing about how bad everything is. Isn't it about time to hear about what's right and good? Isn't it time for some good news? If your answers are yes, then you need the Good News Journal. The Good News Journal is published by KTXW's own Evelyn Davidson and is packed with news and information about the good things that are happening. With a healthy dose of hope, happiness, and humor, the Good News Journal is distributed free throughout Central Texas at hundreds of locations, including Walmart, Popeye Chicken, Central Market, Bob Bullock Museum, libraries, churches, and other locations. And did we say the Good News Journal is free? For advertising information or to have an article published, call Good News Journal at 249-6535. The Good News Journal is an inspirational, patriotic journal published bi-monthly to bring you God's good news. The Good News Journal, 249-6535, or read it online at thegoodnewsjournal.net. Hi, this is Steve Washburn, pastor at First Baptist Church, Pflugerville. We're the ones who just built that beautiful new 33,000-square-foot worship center there on Pecan Street, just as you town. Say, listen, if you're looking for a church home, I wish you'd come check us out. Lots of other folks sure are. We're one of the fastest-growing fellowships in the Austin area. We're trying our best to offer something for everyone. No matter what your situation in life, you'll find good friends here. I know I'm biased, but I believe we have some of the most uplifting worship services you'll find anywhere. Many of you are familiar with Tom Cotter and his praise band, By Design. We're fortunate to have them leading our modern worship experience at the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday mornings. That's our largest and fastest-growing group. But I'm also excited about something new we're trying in our 9 o'clock hour. Daniel Reclue is one of the area's most gifted choral directors, and he has reinvented one of the only genuinely traditional worship services in the area for those of you who are boomers and long to return to the joyful worship of your youth. Listen, Google us at First Baptist Pflugerville and come see us. Was your website built by a programmer or a marketer? It makes a difference, a huge difference. Think, marketing is a local boutique ad agency that builds websites around you, your business, and your customers. This approach is Y-O-U-centric. Visit thinkmarketingtexas.com to learn more. That's thinkmarketingtexas.com. It won't cost you to sit down and find out how you can have a website that looks fantastic while making you money. Come on, isn't it time to update your website? thinkmarketingtexas.com. ThinkMarketingTexas.com Stay tuned for Love Talk with Evelyn Davison with her special guests, Dr. Steve Wasburn and Carol Everett. Love Talking today about marriage, life, and love. Welcome back to Love Talk. We are in the studio today at, here at uh, The Bridge. Today's Christian Talk, 1120, broadcasting out of Austin, Texas. And um, these are... Um, Difficult times in the state of Texas, Carol and, and Dr. Steve, uh, as we are at a point right now that we've got to make some decisions that's going to determine uh, the life of uh, the unborn and God's plan for marriage. And when we went out, we were talking about what it is and why it's so bad 
and what's going on and how sickening it is. But that has to be something, Dr. Steve, that would motivate us to make some kind of decision. What is it that we can do about this? As, as, as a pastor, uh, as a director of a major ministry, Carol, uh, as me, a little holly homemaker from Cut and Shoot, Texas, what can we do besides pray? Well, as with every other question you've asked us today, that's probably larger than we can answer. Um, you know, I, I would start, I guess, with uh, educating people. We have to speak. We have to have these kinds of programs. We have to talk. It it would be it would be wonderful if all sincere Christ followers, and I say that, and you can tell, I there aren't nearly as many Christ followers as you claim to be Christ followers. But if all sincere Christ followers were to begin talking about this, making this part of their their daily uh, uh, trip, you know, as they go through their day. Talking about this needs to be part of their day, and and we don't need for it to depress us necessarily, but, you know, since 1973, we've executed uh, 56 million, 56 million children. Um, how can that not, uh, how can that not become part of our daily outrage? How can that not be something that's, that distresses us throughout every day? And now having, uh, the destruction of the family been made the law of the land, how can that not be a part of our language during the day? So I, I suppose I would start with, by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, begin talking about it. And and just the outrage of it uh, would become part of the language of our Christian culture, our, our biblical worldview culture, talking about it. Um, I guess a second thing I would say would be, Kind of referring back to the passage you've already quoted, Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen, where Jesus says, or God says, "If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from the wicked, wicked ways, ways, I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land." But, but as people who live in this Christ-based constitutional republic, how can we claim to be turning from our wicked ways if we're allowing? If we're allowing 56 million babies to be executed, if we're allowing gay marriage to become the law of the land, we have within our power as a people, as Christ's church, we have within our power to reverse this, and we're not. So we can't stand before God and say, we're turning from our wicked ways. We can't. We're not. We're not turning from our wicked ways. So there's a second thing. I, you know, There needs to be this brokenheartedness among Christ's church to recognize, pray, yes, Seek his face, yes. But we need to also turn, turn from our wicked ways. So that needs to be a part of our Christian culture. Um, And, of course, when I say that, what I'm referring to is what Carol and I are primarily talking about today is we have to engage with culture. We have to. We have to talk it up. We have to win the hearts of people. We have to get involved in these discussions. We have to let them know the Bible does say things about gay marriage. The Bible does say things about not murdering. It does. And uh, and causing people to vote. Get out and vote. Doing nothing is a sin, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer mm-hmm. and many others. Um, not turning this around by our vote, by our political involvement is a sin. We can't be so consumed with, you know, me and my wife and two kids and no more 
if, if we're going through life that way, that's a sin. That's a sin. We have to engage in our culture and vote and cause others to vote and to vote Christ's morals, by the way. You know, I, I'm, I've come under a great deal of fire by sending out emails telling you how to, how to vote. Oh, you know, oh, I, I've told, I, you know, for those who are listening, I regularly tell our congregation, congregation how to vote on moral issues. You don't tell I don't, on personalities. I don't you say tell names. I don't, I don't promise. mention names. I don't mention political parties. Mm-hmm. But I tell our people we have to vote pro-life mm-hmm. in this election. We have to vote pro-family in this election. And I'll challenge our people to get out and do your research and find out who the pro-life candidates are, who the pro-family candidates are, and vote for them at every level. I, again, I can't preach, so let me go. Well, I, I'll give you permission <laughs> to preach, but our time's getting close. One of the things that, that we want to close with today is uh, what God's plan is uh, for the life we're living today. And it is this, Jesus, uh, the Word says that Jesus came that all might come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. I mean, of God's love plan. And his love plan is that we would know him intimately and uh, succinctly to the point that it would change not only our lives but the lives of others. Uh, Carol, just take about 60 seconds and speak to that young woman out there that has made the wrong choice and and encourage her that God loves her and has a plan for her life. I understand how you feel because I've made some very bad choices and I had an abortion and instantly knew I'd kill my child but didn't know where to go with those feelings. And I spent a lot of time self-punishing before I finally came to the point that I could admit that I'd had an abortion and start the grieving healing process. But I want you to know that Jesus Christ died on the cross even for our sin of abortion. It's very clear that he takes that in and that he loves us. And if we will accept him by faith, the act that he did is he went to the cross for our sins. If we accept that and ask him into our hearts, our lives can change. But then it's a process. And First John 1, 9 says, if you will confess and repent of your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And then we must continue as we peel off layer by layer, just like an onion, all the sin, all the lies we believe, we must go back and take it to him day by day by day. And he will free you, and he wants you to be free, and he wants you to hold your head high. He wants you to have hope for your life in the future. He wants you to put that behind you and learn from it and walk in his way. And he has a great plan. Ask him to show you that god breathed plan, and he will. Carol, tell us how our friends can get in touch with you. They can go to www.heidigroup.org. Heidi, H-E-I-D-I-G-R-O-U-P dot org. Or they can actually call the office. We still answer the telephone. (laughs) (laughs) 512-255-2088. 512-255-2088. And we'd love to hear from anyone who um, has an issue with this or has a question. Dr. Steve, um, if, if there was... We have every, every young person in this city listening, and we're worldwide listening to you today. What would you say to that person that does not know the love of the Lord Jesus in the experience that we've talked about today? How would you encourage them? Well, I think to say that all of us, all of us live in a fallen world. We all live in a, in a fallen culture, and it influences us. It it just it does it in, it has influenced all of us to the extent that we've all made wrong decisions in life, 
And uh, those wrong decisions, those poor decisions, have wound us up in places we we really do not want to stay, all of us. But uh, the Bible says in Romans ten nine, if we can, uh, if uh, if we confess Jesus as Lord, that means we confess Jesus to be our boss. If we allow Jesus to be our boss and our Lord, if we confess in our heart Jesus is Lord, and believe that God raised Him from the dead, that means we believe He's alive. He'll save us. He'll save us. He'll save us. He'll change our heart. He'll change our wants. He'll give us power over life. He'll give us power over defeat. I know thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and I'm among the worst, who've come out of a dark, defeated lifestyle. And Jesus has transformed them. Most of them didn't think he could do it. Most of them doubted and feared that Jesus could not do that, but he has. And these are victorious people today. And I just urge you, whoever's listening, Give Jesus a try. Just let him try. See what he'll do. I, I would uh, give you a okay with that, Dr. Steve. Just ask him to show himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants to do that, and he does it in a lot of different ways. Today. Thank you so much. Tell us how they can get in touch with you at First Baptist Church, Pflugerville, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> our, uh, our website is www.fbcpville.org. That stands for First Baptist Church fbcpville.org and we also still answer our phone mm-hmm. the number is 512-251-3052 and on our website uh, is my uh, email personal email and you can get in touch with me that way also okay and you are the author of a new book that's going to the press pretty quickly pretty soon. we're going to have you come back and we're going to talk about okay that. i'd be happy to well i do want to thank you for being with us today and thank you gavin for helping us through this day and just pray that if you uh, want to get in touch with us you call us on the love line it's 512-249-6535 or go to uh, lovetalknetwork.com but in the meantime we just pray that today's conversation would penetrate your consciousness to the point that you would come to understand God loves you in the person of Jesus Christ. Have a great week.